The Republican Party has been thrown into unprecedented chaos as Republicans, well, eight of them, along with Democrats, have voted to vacate the position of Speaker of the House, removing Kevin McCarthy from his speakership. Republicans, of course, have a slim majority in the House of Representatives. They have, in concert with Democrats, removed their speaker and now we are in uncharted, unprecedented territory as this has never happened before. There will be a new race for the speakership. Kevin McCarthy per NPR and a number of other media outlets will not run for speaker again after being removed. And it's really critical to understand that extremism is the reason we are even here today. McCarthy actually was removed for doing the right thing in this case, and it reminds us how extreme the MAGA wing of this Republican Party is. Kevin McCarthy struck a deal, at least in principle with Democrats, to keep government open. I believe government being open is a good thing. There are many Republicans who don't, and this gets to one of the structural advantages that Republicans have when it comes to funding of government and keeping it open, which we will get to. But all Kevin McCarthy did that, according to eight radical MAGA style Republicans, warranted removing him from the speakership as he said, hey, I think it's better to keep government open. And by the way, it's always Republicans who shut it down and Republicans who get blamed. Maybe it's not so good for us either. He said, let's figure out a way to keep it open. And he worked with Democrats to do that because he worked to avoid a government shutdown. We are now here with the removal of a speaker of the House for the first time in history. Newt Gingrich. And, and by the way, part of the delight of all this, I want government open. I want programs funded, et cetera. Part of the delight in all of this is number one, that now they are going to have to waste time trying to get a new speaker. And number two, Republicans are turning on each other, eating each other, devouring each other, victims of the very monster they allowed to grow and fester. Here is Newton Gingrich, sorry, Newt Gingrich saying the eight Republicans are traitors and should be primaried. You love to see the implosion. Ninety six percent of the Republicans voted for McCarthy, four percent voted against him. From my position as a longtime Republican activist, they're traitors. All eight of them should, in fact, be primaried. They should all be driven out of public life. Good. They're MAGA lunatics. Do it. What they did was to go to the other team to cause total chaos. We ought to be focusing on Biden. We ought to be focusing on the economy. We ought to be focusing on the border. Instead, you're going to get a week or 10 days of the media focusing on Republican disarray. It's an astonishingly destructive behavior by a handful of egocentric people who think they're superior to 96% of the conference. He's basically right. I mean, where he's wrong is, you know, focus on Biden. I don't know if he means Biden's imaginary crimes or what. Focus on the economy. The economy's fine. It's not perfect, but like it's, there's no big economic crisis right now. Focus on the border. The border's fine. The border's closed. Yes, we have a problem in this country that goes back decades. It's not unique to Biden. It's not unique to right now. So that part I disagree with. But his analysis of the motivations and the egocentrism of the eight Republicans that chose to do this 
is pretty much spot on. Now, a few important considerations here, uncharted territory. So when people say, well, what normally comes next in this situation? We don't know because this is not a normal situation. It's the first time a speaker has been removed in this way. Secondly, this wasn't the plan of the Republican Party. And again, only eight Republicans actually voted for this. So even Republicans don't know what comes next. Many are saying, how about Trump for speaker? We'll talk about that in a moment. Number three, Democrats could have saved McCarthy and they chose not to. And I believe that is the right decision. There are some who are saying and I really don't get this. There are some who are saying, you know, Democrats really should have supported McCarthy because McCarthy worked with them to keep government open. That's such a pathetically low bar. The bottom line is, if you're a Democrat, you shouldn't want McCarthy as speaker because you should want a Democrat as speaker. Now, you could say, well, if it's not McCarthy, it'll be a different Republican. Make them do that. Don't give them anything. If if you are a Democrat, the question you should be answering when you vote is of all the people in this house, is McCarthy the one I would want to be the speaker? The answer is obviously no, even if he worked with you on this thing. So Democrats did absolutely the right thing. And we are now going to see the House of, of Representatives grind to a halt, at least for the time being, as Newt Gingrich said. Now, this gets us to the structural advantage for Republicans on doing nothing. I'm actually writing about this in my forthcoming book, Echo, right now. When it comes to just obstructing and shutting down, Republicans have an advantage because there is this small government ideology which wants legislators doing as little as possible. They want to end multiple departments, energy, education, etc. They want government doing as little as possible. So you and I might see this and say this is yet again. These people are getting paid to do nothing. Many Republicans want them doing nothing. And so that's an important consideration. Remember also when we think back to Nancy Pelosi's speakership, Nancy Pelosi also had a very small majority for Democrats. Often we are now hearing, well, you can't expect Republicans to really get anything done because they have a very, very small majority. Nancy Pelosi also had a small majority and she governed in a way that was far less chaotic and far more logical. She would make sure that when votes got to the floor, she knew exactly what was going to happen. Republicans got this vote going. They didn't even know what the outcome was going to be. So uh, that's one thing. And then the other thing, there's a really horrible history for Republicans with speakers. Newt Gingrich speaker starting in 94 ended up resigning in shame after being caught in an affair and destroyed the midterms for Republicans. Dennis Hastert, can we say he was a child molester or an alleged child molester who settled? Uh, John Boehner chased out by the radical Tea Party completely failed. Paul Ryan just basically quit and said, I'm out and, and because of the Trumpian wing of the party. And now Kevin McCarthy ousted by his own members, own fellow Republicans. So consider the contrast with Nancy Pelosi. Consider the chaotic contrast to what Democrats and Joe Biden are doing. Pharma pharma negotiations to lower prices on 10 important drugs and Chips Act, Inflation Reduction Act, student loans. I mean, it's, it's just the contrast could not be more significant. And this now gets us to what did Kevin McCarthy have to say about all of this? Ousted Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy gave a bonkers press conference last night, which just confirms for us the degree of chaos, confusion and what's another C word, the cacophony of 
kookiness. Okay. Uh, that Republicans are now embroiled in. Here is McCarthy asked, could you have done anything differently? And he says, yeah, I probably shouldn't have supported the campaigns of some of these Republicans who voted to remove me. And when you look back, is there anything you could have done differently to what those eight members? Yeah, a lot of, a lot of them I helped get elected, so I probably should have picked somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he should have done differently, not support people who ultimately, I guess, were disloyal in the sense that they voted for McCarthy's ouster. Obviously, radical and repugnant reactionary Florida Congressman Matt Gates played a major role in the ouster of McCarthy. McCarthy weighed in on Gates and said it's personal with Gates. I mean, if you were conservative and you only had one entity making the battle and you vote against securing the border, you vote against cutting fund this wasteful spending and then you partner with all the Democrats. Now, you'll phrase it all the other different ways. That's not a conservative. Every, look, <laughs> you all know Matt Gates. You know it was personal. Okay. It had nothing to do about spending. It had nothing to do about everything he accused somebody of he was doing. It all was about getting attention from you. I mean, we're getting email fundraisers from him as he's doing it. Join in quickly. Yeah. Now, McCarthy's analysis is correct. It was personal for Gates. It was self-serving. It was egocentric. But those are the politics of the Republican Party in 2023. This is Trumpism. Trumpism fundamentally is egocentric, self-serving politics driven by narcissism and arrogance and sanctimony. And my bet is if the situation had been reversed, Kevin McCarthy would have done the exact same thing. He doesn't miss the opportunity to blame Democrats for playing politics. Always there is an opportunity to attack Democrats if you're Kevin McCarthy. My God. No, but do I regret the Democrats playing games with January 6th? Yes. They, they, they played so many politics. What they did to this institution and what they did to this building was so wrong. The idea that they put magnetometers there, the idea that they would go to any Republican member that they had been co-sponsors or bills and they no longer could be a co-sponsor, that they would find members $5,000 if the magnetometers went on. But when Nancy went around it or Clyburn got, was supposed to get a fine, it all got waived. The idea that bills didn't have to go through committee. All right. So anyway, attacking Democrats, obviously to be expected. And then lastly, Matt Gates, I'm sorry, um, uh, Kevin McCarthy seems to bemoan the rule that allowed for him to be removed in this way. The confusing part is he was involved in the negotiation of those rules. Very strange. My goals have not changed. My ability to fight is just in a different form. Right. You need 218. Unfortunately, 4% of our conference can join all the Democrats and dictate who could be the Republican speaker in this house. I don't think that rule is good for the institution, but apparently I'm the only one. I believe I can continue to fight maybe in a different manner. Mm. I will not run for speaker again. I'll have the conference pick somebody else. There you go. So the next question becomes, who will Republicans push for to be the next speaker of the house? Many of them want an orange guy to come back. Boehner was once an orange speaker of the House, and then now they want the other orange guy. Let's talk about that next.
Sean Hannity, the Fox News propagandist, kicked off his show last night in the wake of the historic removal of Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy by saying he's been speaking to sources and they're saying we want Trump. They want Trump to be Speaker of the House. Remember that there's no legal issue here. You don't have to be a member of the House to be Speaker of the House. Could be anybody. Uh, here is Hannity. McCarthy will not seek the speakership again. Now, sources telling me at this hour, some House Republicans have been in contact with and have started an effort to draft former President Donald Trump to be the next speaker. <laughs> and I have been told uh, that uh, President Trump might be open to helping the Republican Party, at least in the short term. Right. That's Trump. We know Trump is a guy who he just wants to help. It's a really common thing. Trump helping others, Trump doing things for other people, prioritizing other people sounds exactly like what we would expect Donald Trump to do. Now, a whole bunch of Republicans are getting in line behind this idea. Marjorie Trader Green posting an excretion to X. That's what we call them now. Quote, the only candidate for speaker I am currently supporting is President Donald J. Trump. He will end the war in Ukraine. How he will secure the border. How he will end the politically weaponized government. No, he will usher it in. He will make America in energy independent again. He will pass my bill to stop transgender surgeries on kids and keep men out of women's sports. He will support our military and police. He suggested a general be killed and so much more. He has a proven four year record as president of the United States of America. He received a record number of Republican votes of any Republican presidential candidate. We can make him speaker and then elect him president. He will make America great again. So that's Marjorie Taylor Greene's idea. Here's Jim Jordan just after the vote removed Kevin McCarthy. Jim Jordan seems extraordinarily distraught. How disappointed are you with the speak? What happened here and Speaker McCarthy? I thought it was un, I thought it was unfair to unfair to Kevin. Uh, Kevin, I think, has done a fine job, and he and I came in together. He's a good man. Um, and he didn't deserve this in my judgment. Do you, will you run for speaker? That's a decision for the conference. So are you open to it? All right. So Jim Jordan distraught, but being distraught, not stopping many other Republicans from saying it's time for Trump. Congressman Troy Niels posted, I nominate Donald J. Trump for Speaker of the House. Now, by the way, posting to X does not formally nominate anyone. He would still have to do it, but you know, he says he wants to. Congressman Greg Stubbe, same idea, posting an ex excretion Trump for speaker. Um, Matt Gates saying my uh, about his conversations uh, with Trump, leaving him feeling that Trump likes the direction of removing McCarthy. We haven't spoken during that. President Trump, though, put on he put on Truth Social that he didn't think this was a good idea. He didn't want to see Republicans fighting with other Republicans. How do you respond to the former president? Uh, I, I would uh, I would say that uh, my conversations with the former president leave me with great confidence that I'm doing the right thing. OK, so suggesting that Trump likes what they did. And then lastly, once he was able to recompose himself, Here's Jim Jordan on Hannity last night asked about the possibility of Trump as speaker. And you yep. do not need to compromise on. Last question. Uh, I've now heard from a number of people. I know for a fact Donald Trump has been contacted uh, right. about possibly him being an interim speaker. Is that a reality? 
I, I don't know. I, he'd be great, but I, I, actually, I want Donald Trump to be the next president of the United States. If he wants to be speaker, well, he great. Still, but, well, he, uh, I, I want, I'll be I want clear. Him, I want him to be he'd president still of the United States. President. He's still, he's still going to be I, running I for president. To be. That's where we need him is at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. If he wants to be speaker, then that's fine, too. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Jim Jordan will let Trump do whatever the hell he wants. Something makes me think that four criminal trials, multiple civil trials and everything else Trump has going on, plus running for president may make him a little busy to be Speaker of the House. But Republicans have done crazy things in the past. So we are going to watch that very, very closely. We're going to take the quickest of breaks on this outrageous news day. I don't know if you even want to know what Carrie Lake is up to. But I'm going to tell you after this short break. One of our sponsors is Zipix nicotine toothpicks. Don't you think it's time you stopped putting smoke and vape oils in your lungs? Zipix toothpicks are a convenient way to curb the nicotine cravings. Zipix toothpicks are super discreet. You can use them anytime, anywhere. Smoking and vaping aren't allowed, including flights, sporting events in restaurants. They're available in six different flavors with options of two and three milligrams of nicotine. If you're not a nicotine user, Zipix also offers caffeine and B12 infused toothpicks. Zipix has already helped tens of thousands of customers ditch the cigarettes, ditch the vapes, they might be able to help you too. If you're a smoker or a vapor, give Zipix toothpicks a try. Your lungs will thank you. Go to zipixtoothpicks.com today. Save 10% with the code PACMAN10 at checkout. Just remember, you must be 21 or older to order. That's zipixtoothpicks.com. Use promo code PACMAN10 at checkout for 10% off. That's PACMAN10. The info is in the podcast notes. The failed former Arizona gubernatorial candidate, Carrie Lake, who insists she really won that election, she didn't, is apparently going to run for Senate. This is something we've been anticipating and waiting for. And even though she is, as of this exact moment, not made a formal public announcement, there is reporting that the paperwork has indeed been filed. Arizona ABC 15 reports Carrie Lake files paperwork to officially run for U.S. Senate in 2024. Carrie Lake has filed paperwork to run for the U.S. Senate. Lake filed a statement of organization Monday, which allows her to fundraise and campaign ahead of the 2024 election. Caroline Wren, senior advisor to Lake, confirmed recently that Lake will officially open her campaign with an October 10 rally. A former television anchor, Lake built a following among Republicans for her unflinching support for Trump and her steadfast promotion of false claims of election fraud. Um, she is going to be running uh, in a map that already favors Republicans. There will be Democratic held seats up for grabs in three states that Trump won. Um, and uh, we know that uh, the major Democrat in the race is former David Pakman show guest Ruben Gallego. So what does this mean? First, an extraordinarily practical question. Carrie Lake continues to insist that any day she's going to be given her right, uh, rightful uh, seat on the throne as Arizona governor. She insists she won and that any second her lawsuit or her audit or whatever, checking for bamboo fibers on the on the ballots, it's going to overturn and Katie Hobbs will be removed. If she's about to become governor of Arizona, 
it would seem silly to be running for Senate because you're going to be very busy being governor very soon. It's just yet another reminder of the perpetual grift that is her. What do we even call it? Crusade campaign for fixing the results of the 2022 Arizona gubernatorial election. She knows she's not going to become governor. So now she's running for Senate. Bigger picture. We really are looking at Arizona as a potential central flashpoint of the next series of claims about election fraud. We already know it's only October of 2023. We have 13 months until this election. But if indeed it is Biden versus Trump as a rematch in the presidential election, if indeed Carrie Lake is running and will remain on the ballot through the general election if in November of 2024, we all know that they are going to claim fraud in Arizona if they lose. Now, let me tell you the reality of Arizona. Arizona has some significant blue areas and has become a reliable swing state over recent years. At, a, at one point, it was a much more reliable red state. It no longer is. And one of the ways I've been thinking about a Biden versus Trump rematch is if we start with 2020 as our base and say what might change. Yes, it's certainly possible that Georgia would go to Trump instead of Biden. It's possible Pennsylvania would go to Trump instead of Biden. Sure, all of these things are possible. But when we look at Arizona, it will certainly be close, but it is not seeming as though Arizona has moved to the right since the 2020 election. And if anything, it has probably moved in the other direction. So there is a very good chance, at least 50 50, that you were going to have an extraordinarily tight uh, race in Arizona, which both Biden and Gallego, if they are indeed the Democratic candidates next November, will win. And so we all know what's going to happen in Arizona. They're going to say Maricopa County again was stolen. The whole thing was stolen. Trump actually won. Carrie Lake actually won. And so it might be smart to try to preempt as much of that as possible working with Democrats in the state. Now, what exactly it means to do that? What can be done in advance to try to preempt Republican claims? There's two sides to that. One, we've got to figure that out and we'll do a segment on that upcoming Two. It kind of doesn't really matter what Democrats do. Republicans have decided Arizona is a nice target for them to claim we actually won even when they lost. So I anticipate chaos in Arizona, and I believe Carrie Lake entering that race only makes it even more likely in the interim. I'm actually sort of interested in what kind of a campaign she runs and how much of her campaign will be based on. I actually would be the governor right now if we had fair elections and therefore you should make me senator. Beyond that, I still am struggling to understand Carrie Lake's qualifications and her actual policy positions, mostly because she's running on contrived social issues. And that is what Republicans nationwide are increasingly doing. Arnold Schwarzenegger appeared on the Jimmy Kimmel program the other day, and he, he's actually really funny. You know, I uh, we're going to look at a couple minutes of Arnold on Jimmy Kimmel. I don't want to glamorize Arnold Schwarzenegger. If I had to choose a Republican from those running for president, I've said I would clearly go with Chris Christie with Nikki Haley secondary to that. But if you said, David, what about just more broadly in general Republicans? I would probably have Arnold Schwarzenegger at the top of my list. I know I don't agree on everything with him. He's a Republican after all. But he strikes me as a fundamentally honest and moral person to the extent 
that he genuinely has the best interests of the country in mind. He has what I believe are some incorrect paths to bettering the country for people, but he doesn't seem like a self-serving egocentric public servant. And I find that that's actually refreshing to a degree. Here is Arnold talking to Jimmy Kimmel. He has advice for Trump on weight and Arnold doesn't believe Trump's weight is 215 pounds, which is really pretty funny to hear him say. Check this out. He listed his weight at 215 pounds. <laughs> you are one of the foremost experts on the male physique, bodybuilding, etc. When you size him up, what would you guess that that man weighs? You know, I don't really know how much he, he weighs. I can tell you one thing that if you would ask me what should you do for fitness, I would just say run around yourself three times. And you're going to be in great, great shape. <laughs> now, this was misreported. I don't actually know. This was reported as Arnold said Trump should run around his cell three times like his prison cell. I heard Arnold say he should run around himself three times. I don't, it doesn't really matter. OK, let's continue. <laughs> So do you think it is possible that he weighs 215 pounds? Yeah, as much as it is possible that there is uh, no climate change. <laughs> and, uh, as much as it is possible that we don't need to really reduce pollution what? in order to kind of By the way, I don't think there's any place for Arnold's views in the Republican Party. I mean, he's he's basically a moderate Democrat at this point in time, but that's a different story. So, so, I mean, look, we all know that the way he is, and uh, if it makes him feel good to, you know, tell everyone he weighs 215, I think everyone laughs about it because he does not look like he weighs 215. <laughs> I mean, it looks uh, a little <laughs> bit more like maybe 315 or something. 315, yeah. If I were a betting man and I'm not, and you said, David, is Trump's weight closer to 215 or 315? I'm betting that it's closer to 315 for sure. When you, you mentioned climate change, and when I hear you talk about things, I, I always have to remind myself that you're technically a Republican because it doesn't seem like uh, you're a Republican on especially a lot of important things, like climate change is one of them. And what do you think when you look at the party and what's going on right now in Congress? Do you think, like, do you think of yourself as a Republican still? I'm a proud Republican. And I tell you why, because I'm a traditional Republican. Remember that the one that put most of the land aside for future generations was Teddy Roosevelt. He was a Republican. Uh, the, the, the Ronald Reagan created the Air Resources Board in California, most important board in order to really be able to execute all of the things, all the laws that we pass. Uh, President Nixon uh, created the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency in Washington. Um, he wanted to President Nixon wanted to do universal health care. Those are all mostly things that Republicans now denounce. So, yes, Arnold Schwarzenegger is right in handpicking historical Republican actions that he agrees with. Most of those are now denounced by modern Republicans. So I think the Arnold story is a very interesting one. He's a Republican today in the sense, I guess, that he prefers lower taxes to higher taxes, except when necessary for the functioning of the country. He prefers fewer business regulations rather than more, as long as we are not going beyond necessary regulations to maintain the environment and limit pollution and negative externalities. And when you hear that, it really does sound like a centrist to center left Democrat. 
He's not Bernie Sanders. He's not a social Democrat in the northern European model. But I'll tell you this, even if we grant that Arnold is a Republican, if Republicans were more like Arnold, we would all be far better off, particularly because more time could be spent negotiating with people in good faith rather than dealing with the conspiracies and contrived cultural issues of people like Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert and these types of folks. So that's where I see it. Curious to know your thoughts on Arnold. We'll have this clip on Instagram. We'll have it on TikTok. Obviously, it will be on YouTube and we'll be back right after this. Think of your most personal emails. If you're using a free email provider, you should know that they're scanning every email you send and receive even after you delete it. They're usually using the data to build a picture of your life to show you ads, which many find creepy. Our sponsor Startmail never scans or tracks your emails. Privacy is what comes first. And unlike other email services, when you delete an email in Startmail, it is gone forever. It also protects your data by blocking tracking pixels in emails, which companies and hackers can use to track you. You can create unlimited email aliases to protect your identity and cut down on spam. You can encrypt every email you send, even if the recipient isn't using encryption. Startmail gives you 20 gigs of storage. That's more than you get on Gmail. And it only takes a few clicks to migrate all of your emails and contacts over to Startmail. Go to startmail.com slash Pacman to get 50% off your first year. That's only about two bucks a month. That's startmail.com slash Pacman for 50% off. The link is in the podcast notes. Failed former President Donald Trump had his second straight day in court yesterday in New York City over this fraud lawsuit, and it did not go well for Donald Trump. I suggested yesterday that the post fraud court appearances might be even crazier than Trump's covid press conferences, and that is turning out to be the case. Trump seems to be admitting to the very fraud that he claims he didn't commit. I don't think Trump understands he's admitting to the fraud, but he is. Take a listen to what Trump had to say outside the courthouse yesterday. This you really can't write this stuff. So he's been given this information. It's now been proven to be false, such as Mar-a-Lago and Palm Beach, Florida being worth eighteen million dollars when in fact it's much closer to one point five billion dollars. And I appreciate very much the officials of Palm Beach calling yesterday and writing and saying that she was very wrong. That's not the way you got to the property. So she said it was $18 million. It's $1.5 billion. Likewise, we've just recently sold two properties for many times what they were worth, many times what they were worth in the financial statements. Okay. So first and foremost, if Mar-a-Lago is worth $1.5 billion, then Trump owes some serious property taxes, which should be pursued right away, because for tax purposes, Trump has never argued that Mar-a-Lago is worth that amount. That's number one. This is sort of a circular argument, and a bunch of people emailed me about this. They, you know, Trump says it's worth a ton because of the Trump brand. The Trump brand's value is based on the falsely stated real estate values that Trump has cited. Trump goes, the brand's worth a lot because of how much the properties are worth. 
and the properties are worth a lot because of how much the brand is worth, which is only worth that because of my false claims about the value of the properties. Completely circular, but importantly, if it's worth 1.5 billion, someone uh, Trump owes someone a lot of money in real estate taxes. Okay. Trump then says, how could it possibly be fraud when you're telling the institutions figure out for yourself what this stuff is worth? OK, this is Trump continuing to rant and rave outside the courthouse, outside the courtroom in the courthouse. No fraud. They all made money. They're all happy, 100 percent happy. And I think very importantly is everything. Many, many warnings. Page one, page two and many pages. <laughs> it says, please. You must understand that you have to do your own due diligence and you have to, above all, do your own research and analysis. Do not rely on anything. Do not rely on the financial standards. <laughs> and Trump's as Trump says, believe nothing I've told you. His lawyer over Trump's left shoulder looks physically pained. Also, the financial statements are very strong in terms of cash, liquidity and everything else. This case is a scam. They can't be fraud when you told institutions to do their own work. Trump is saying, yes, everything there was false, but I'm not liable because I told them you got to figure out for yourself what this stuff is worth. Unfortunately for Trump, that's not the way that this actually works. And Ron Filipkowski had a funny uh, tweet or an excretion on X about this, where he said, translation, I lied about the value of all my assets, but I put a disclaimer on there that you can't really believe anything I say. So it's not my fault. Those suckers believed me. Trump then continuing and saying that the entire trial is rigged. He references the judge's clerk. This will be relevant in our next story about a gag order on Trump. So this is this is an important clip. have to expose her as that uh, you see what's going on is a rigged deal. So frankly, and frankly, uh, you saw what was just put out about Schumer and the principal clerk. That is disgraceful. All right. So we're going to get back to that. Let's sort of like bookmark that to come back to. But Trump says the whole thing is rigged against him. And then lastly, Trump says he's going to testify. I would be shocked if Trump testifies. It would be a disastrous legal decision. Maybe he's not going to be able to be convinced by his lawyers not to. But here's what he said about testifying. Will you be testifying? Yes, I will. At the appropriate time, I will be. Uh, I think it's going to be very well. Uh, I think we'll be Everybody was given financial statements. My financial statements are extremely strong. Okay, super strong statements, says Donald Trump. Trump says he will testify. Uh, I, I doubt it. I still would would guess that everyone in Trump's orbit, not just his lawyers, will come to him and say, you do not want to testify. Do not testify. The risk for lying, the risk for perjury, the risk for further incriminating himself and embroiling himself in more problems is just so great, especially because it's all driven by Trump's egocentric narcissism in which he thinks he's so much smarter than everybody else, so much more clever, articulate and compelling as a speaker that he'll just be able to convince everybody that he's telling the truth. And of course, that's not the way it has worked with investigators so far. So every day, Trump's court, post court and pre court appearances are getting wackier and wackier. 
And now Trump has been slapped with a gag order. Let's talk about that next. A judge has gagged Trump badly, choking him, I would almost even say, after Trump took to Truth Social. Truth Central. Right. And posted about the law clerk in the very courtroom where Trump was when he apparently posted this to Truth. CNBC reports judge issues gag order in Trump fraud trial after ex-president posts about law clerk. This is not what lawyers advise you to do. Lawyers would not come to you. I know and I know very little about the law, but I know enough lawyers to know that they are not going to show up and say, here's what I think you should do. Attack the prosecutor, attack the judge and attack the clerk of the judge as incompetent, politically biased and maybe even criminal. That will help us win our case. No lawyer worth anything is going to suggest that to you. Now, maybe these lawyers are worth what Trump is paying them, and maybe it's zero, although I think the lawyers are now getting money up front from Trump. Okay, CNBC continues. Judge Arthur Engeron issued a gag order on making public remarks about his staff members after former President Trump blasted the judge, his top law clerk and New York Attorney General Letitia James on the second day of the business fraud trial against Trump and company. James accuses Trump, two of his adult sons and Trump's organization and top executives of fraudulently overvaluing real estate properties. Trump said he will testify. Uh, So here's the gag order. Consider this a gag order on all parties with respect to posting or publicly speaking about any member of my staff. And Garan said personal attacks on his staff were unacceptable and intolerable. Trump referred to the clerk as Schumer's girlfriend and accused her of running this case against me. He also included disparaging comments about her alongside a photo of her with Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. Trump posted how disgraceful uh, it included the clerk's full name. This case should be dismissed immediately. Trump mentioned Schumer and the clerk again during a break in the proceedings, which we talked about uh, in the previous segment. The clerk sits almost directly across from Trump in court. Trump later deleted the post. He also sent a campaign email out criticizing Engeron as a, quote, far left Democrat. The email was called Meet Judge Arthur F. Engeron and says he's politically biased and blah, 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 blah. Okay, so listen, uh, at the end of the day, Trump's attacks on everybody involved in this are going to be a separate issue or question um, to what ultimately is the finding or outcome when it comes to damages and the facts of the case. But as I said, this seems very much inadvisable for Trump. All of this is more interesting when it comes to criminal trials. Remember that here we're essentially talking about damages. This is a civil lawsuit. It involves Trump and his sons. It relates to Trump's ability or not to continue running a business in New York or to own property under the Trump organization, et cetera. So here, Trump's outbursts and inability to control himself are interesting curiosities with regard to what will ultimately be the damages assessed in the criminal trials. The stakes are significantly higher. The nearly 80 year old Donald Trump facing 91 felony charges is in practical terms looking at life in prison if he is convicted on even a small number of those 91 felonies and sentenced more or less in accordance with what uh, it should be done. 
And so the implications are dramatically different and more significant. There's a building uh, sort of pressure or we're coming to a cliff when it comes to Trump and these criminal trials now in multiple areas. Number one is his inability to control himself when it comes to attacking judges, prosecutors and apparently just random people in the courtroom doing their jobs. That could pose a significant problem. And when it comes to the criminal trials, it's not just about a gag order. At least in theory, it could get Trump's bond revoked and get him detained pretrial. I don't think it will happen, but it at least is a, a, an indication of how the stakes are significantly higher. We then have and I'm not going to run through it again because I'm sure you're sick of hearing me talk about it by now. We then have this additional issue of whether Trump's lawyers are really going to make the non legal arguments in court that they and Trump and others have been making in public arguments that are not actually defenses to the crimes Trump is charged with in the documents case saying this isn't a criminal issue. It's a presidential records act issue is not going to work as a, as a criminal defense when it comes to you orchestrated this wide ranging attempt to overturn the results in Georgia by sending a fake slate of electors and calling elected officials and telling Lindsey Graham to call public officials and say, find me the votes. And Trump's going to go, you can't prosecute me for what I said. I have a First Amendment right. And that is not going to be a defense because Trump is being prosecuted for the alleged criminal conspiracy, not for saying I believe I won the election. So we have both Trump's narcissistic egocentrism and how that will play a role in attacking individuals involved with the criminal trials and Trump's non legal legal defenses. The civil trial is serving as a very interesting preview of what we may expect. My hope is that at least one of Trump's criminal trials will be able to do live coverage of. I do think it will be historic, just uncharted territory of endless interest to uh, future historians. Let's put it that way. So that's where we are right now. Trump under gag gagged badly. Trump not used to being gagged in this way, that's for sure. And we will see whether he abides by the gag order. One of our sponsors today is Magic Spoon, the breakfast cereal with the crunchy sweet goodness you love, but with high quality ingredients, less sugar and more protein. Magic Spoon has zero grams of sugar. It's packed with 13 to 14 grams of protein and just four to five net carbs. So it's great if you're doing keto or low carb or if just like me, you're trying to limit your sugar intake. They have many unique flavors, so you'll never get bored. My personal favorite is maple waffle, but I grew up in New England, so maybe that's why maple, you know, they also have cocoa, fruity, frosted peanut butter, blueberry muffin, honey nut, cookies and cream, cinnamon roll. Sometimes there's really just no substitute for sitting down with a nice bowl of cereal. Who doesn't love that? When the mood strikes, go for something more wholesome with plenty of protein and without all the sugar. If you don't love Magic Spoon as much as I do and our team does, Magic Spoon will refund all of your money. No questions asked. Simply go to magicspoon.com slash Pacman. You can create a custom bundle and use the code Pacman for five dollars off. You can just tap the link in the podcast notes. A Tucker Carlson fan, I guess, pranked Fox News very badly on television last night. You know, there was as as there is almost every day in the United States, there was a shooting yesterday in the United States. This one was at Morgan State University, the details of which we'll talk about in a moment. Sadly, there's very little additional to say 
about any particular shooting because they're so common in the United States. It's actually horrifying. But we'll get to that in a moment. Um, and so uh, Trace Gallagher, I guess, doing some kind of live coverage late last night. Uh, this was close to 9 p.m. Pacific, close to midnight Eastern. And um, someone, I guess, claiming to have been a witness to the shooting called in and it became apparent very quickly that this was just a prank. And it's just a reminder that these breaking news situations, they can lead to mistakes by producers eager to get witnesses on the air. We've we've seen these many times before. Let's listen. And that's where they declare a Mr. and a Miss Morgan state. And we've got Tyrone on the phone with us now. Tyrone, when you say poker game, what exactly happened? What transpired? Well, first we were watching, we all get together every Tuesday night, and we watch Tucker Carlson's show on X. We used to watch him on Fox News. Obviously, he's not there no more. Mm -hmm. And still being the most credible guy in the media in America, we always get together to watch Tucker Carlson. And I think he's doing probably better now that he's not with Fox News because <laughs> the corporate media always controls what yeah. the teleprompter readers are able to say. And now he doesn't Thank have you, that hand Thanks, Tyrone. Can we back. maybe we can work to get Don back on the phone, Tracy? We can get that. Clearly, that was not a student at Morgan State University. <laughs> so anyway, uh, very, very people very excited about Tucker Carlson, I guess, taking the opportunity to call in. Now, to, there's really no way to segue into yet another instance of completely tragic. Uh, uh, gun violence. What do we know about this shooting? A WBAL suspect at large. This is from last night. Suspect that or, or rather this morning suspect at large after five injured in shooting at Morgan State University. Uh, Baltimore police are searching for a suspect after five young adults were injured Tuesday night in a shooting on the campus of Morgan State University. Baltimore Police Commissioner Richard Worley and Morgan State University Police Chief Lance Hatcher said University police officers were patrolling around 925. They heard discharging on campus. Police said four men and a woman ages 18 to 22 suffered non life threatening injuries in the shooting. Four of the five victims are students. Worley said multiple windows were shattered, prompting police to activate active shooter response protocols. Uh, as of this article, the search for the suspect continues. And I hate to do this. I hate to remind everybody. This is constant. OK, it just so happens that this was the only one of these mass shootings yesterday. Normally, we have multiple mass shootings every day in the United States. October 3rd, this shooting in Baltimore, Maryland, with five injuries, and it appears as though zero deaths and hopefully it stays that way, was the only mass shooting yesterday. But as you see here on Gun Violence Archive, um, on Sunday, there was a shooting in Philadelphia. Actually, Sunday also unique and only one shooting. But then you see the way it normally is. Uh, on Saturday, we had six different shootings in Kentucky, Ohio, Illinois, ne Nebraska, Texas and Jersey. September 30th, there were two mass shootings and you go on down the line, hundreds and hundreds of shootings in the United States. What else is there to say? I mean, genuinely, what else is there to say about this? We're not doing enough to stop it. Obviously, half the country. Well, I shouldn't say half. Actually, a majority of the country does want to do certain things. There are certain policies that a majority of the country is very much in favor of, but our elected officials won't do it. I guess. Why would they if they don't ultimately get held accountable for not doing it? Uh, we have a unique problem in the United States. It's gun culture in combination with the accessibility of firearms in combination with 
the number of firearms that are floating around in combination with, yes, mental health issues. Sure, we'll mention that. Why not? It's not only one or the other thing. And as I've talked about before, when I've laid out my 10 point plan for doing something about gun violence, it is true that you may not be able to prevent every single mass shooting, especially when there are already so many guns floating around. But we can prevent many of them or we can reduce how deadly many of them are if we just do things that are so obvious. And part of the sad, tragic, horrifying reality about this issue is most of us know that there are a bunch of uh, actions that could be taken that would reduce, not eliminate, but reduce gun violence. But for political reasons, there is a large swath of the country and an even larger swath of our elected officials who don't even want to acknowledge that we actually have some pretty damn good ideas to reduce, but not eliminate gun violence. I'm not going to do the full 10 point list. I've done it in a bunch of different segments. I'll update it and do it again soon. I'm sure after the next major mass shooting, which sadly in this country is always just a few weeks, if not a couple of months away. Uh, I want to address sort of I don't know that this is a real concern among the audience, but I've received more and more emails from people saying, David, are you planning an exit from doing the show into writing? Because it seems like you're just doing so much writing at this point in time. I am not I am not planning to quit the show to write full time. But there are some awesome things going on from the standpoint of books. This is a new area that we are delving into. So I'll just give you like the full scope of what's going on here. So in July, I released my first book, a children's book on critical thinking called Think Like a Detective. The book was initially released in English, the English language in which you and I are communicating right now. We've sold about 13,500 copies of that book was the uh, new bestseller in children's on Amazon. And you can get the English version of Think Like a Detective at davidpackmancom slash book makes a great gift, makes a great donation element to libraries and on and on and on. OK, so that was the first thing. It's great for kids, probably six to ten, six to eleven. If you're six, you probably will read it with an adult who explains it to you. All right. We now have released. This is great. The Spanish version of Think Like a Detective highly requested the Spanish version of Think Like a Detective available also uh, on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. You can find it at davidpackmancom slash Spanish book. We're trying to link the listings, but it's not going well so far. Hopefully we can do that soon so that the English and Spanish versions are all listed together. But right now for the Spanish version, you go to davidpackmancom slash Spanish book. Great for Spanish speakers or people who want their kids exposed to Spanish. Really, really great stuff. Next, forthcoming very, very soon will be the sequel to Think Like a Detective called Think Like a Scientist. Think Like a Scientist is going to follow Amy rather than our, our friend Daniel. Amy is the character in Think Like a Scientist. If you're interested in being one of the first to review Think Like a Scientist when it goes live, like during the soft launch, 
Email info at davidpackman.com will get you on the mailing list. You'll be notified when the book goes up for pre sale. Just as good, maybe better. We're actually maybe kind of getting the hang of this thing. Okay. So that's what's going on as far as children's books. And then lastly, I've been teasing this probably for years. And for a while, we were in the proposal phase. We were then in the trying to get a publisher phase. We are now under contract, and I am highly embroiled in the writing of a standard, you know, not a kid's book, a adult book, nonfiction book. The book is called Echo. People have been saying, David, sir, what is the book about? It's hard to say what it's about, but in the book, I will tell the story of how American politics fractured in the way that they did the different components to this fracturing how other countries have prevented or fixed such fractures and what can be done in the United States. I think it's actually going to be fantastic. I have to tell you, because I don't know what I'm doing and I'm extraordinarily uh, critical of everything I put out. I was very worried before actually starting the writing process that this thing was going to be a disaster. When they say, sir, deliver us a 75,000 page book and you open up Scrivener is the tool I'm using. You open up Microsoft Word or Scrivener or whatever. And it's blank. There's nothing on the screen and you've got to just start typing. What the hell do you do? But it's actually going incredibly well. I'm almost 30,000 words into the 75,000 word book. I'm getting up and writing first thing in the morning. Get it out of the way to fit into the schedule before the baby wakes up and everything. I think it's going to be fantastic. I have nothing to sell you or offer you right now because it's we're still in the writing process. and. One thing I've learned is the book industry moves very, very, very slowly. So I don't even know when this thing will be released. But when it is, I will tell you there will be pre-order opportunities, signed book opportunities. There may even be in-person book events. I don't know. But fear not. The main thing is still this show. The Daily Show continues. The podcast continues. It's all happening. We're gearing up for an election. So absolutely no need to worry whatsoever. We have a voicemail number. That number is 2192 David P. Here's a really great criticism of some of what I would call the concern trolling we're seeing from the right about electric vehicles. Listen to this. Hey, Dave, it's Tommy. Um, it's funny. And we always talk about the hypocrisy of Republicans. Yes, we do. Um, as far as electric vehicles go, now they're concerned about gutting the earth and, you right. know, removing all the, the lithium and the cobalt from you know, you're mining it, you're destroying the earth. And right. all of a sudden they care about exploiting children. It's just <laughs> ridiculous. Like absurd. Come on, you know, people have been thinking about that for years. Like you said, the wars on oil and the money spent on oil and the people that have been killed, but all of a sudden now they care about children and they care about the environment. And their hypocrisy has no bounds. The problem with the left pointing out the right's hypocrisy is the right doesn't care about hypocrisy, consistency or double standards anymore. And this is something I've talked about increasingly. Yes, of course, they're hypocrites. We know that uh, we now care about the depletion of uh, the, the depletion of the Earth's resources. Really, because you're arguing for the continuation of gas powered vehicles made from refining oil. That is the depletion of an of a resource on Earth. OK, well, but we care about the children and people who are hurt and maybe even killed 
Well, what do you think happens when we do war for oil? People, including children, are killed. It's patently pathetic. The problem is the right doesn't care about consistency. When we point out the problems with oil and gas and gasoline, they say, but we need it and we're not going to kill the economy and blah, 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 blah. But then they go and they make the exact same claims about electric vehicles where these are actually smaller concerns, as I outlined in detail yesterday. And we go, but you guys are hypocrites. There's a double standard. And they go, we don't care. Their voters don't care. No, consistency is only relevant if there is a consequence for being inconsistent. And while we have different standards here on the left, they don't care about consistency on the right. They don't care about it with so-called family values. They don't care about it with business regulation. They don't care about it with any of these things. And so the question from a practical standpoint for us becomes, do we still point out the inconsistency if the right doesn't care? I think the answer is we do. We just don't obsess about it. We don't make it our sole focus. But I think we do still point out the inconsistency. Let me know what you think. We have such a great bonus show for you today. Uh, there was a carjacking of a Democratic representative in Washington, D.C. We will discuss that. The U.S. has issued its first ever fine for space junk, and they've issued it to Dish Network. Is it enforceable and how? We'll tell you. And uh, today there will be or may already have been by the time you listen to today's show an emergency alert test that is expected to come from our phones. What is this system? What are they testing? What the hell is going on around here? All of those stories and more on today's bonus show. Oh, the bonus show where you want to make money, but everybody else that makes money to fund themselves is bad. A David Pacman membership costs six bucks a month. What else can I say? Joinpacman.com is the place to sign up for membership, which includes the bonus show. It includes the commercial free experience. It includes everything at the at the end of the day, really everything other than uh, uh, meal prep, quite frankly. Uh, you can use the coupon code four years for indictments to get a discount. And we will see you on the bonus show or back here tomorrow on the podcast.